Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. So last week we started um, a message called Release. And as we begin 2020, um, I, I've been thinking about this. In, in the year of, of Jubilee, the Israelite slaves were released. Those who were in debt that were Israelites were released. The land that had been given to their fathers and their forefathers, which was the promised land of Israel, the 12 tribes, when God said, I'm going to give you land, there was promised land to them. All, well, technically 11, because the, the Levites didn't get allotted land. They had different promises from the Lord. But they had land that was given to them. Now, this land was a little bit different. There were different rules for the land that was owned inside of the city. But outside of the city, in the year of Jubilee, they were able to go back to the land. No matter how many times it changed hands, it went back. And it was a time of release. It was a time of, of new things. But it was also a time of old promises that they were able to return to. And as we talked about last week, and I joked about, you know, writing a letter to my bank saying, hey, it's a year of Jubilee for me. I'm released, you know. We're not going to be honored in that way. If you uh, have some bills you would like to have, your student loans, guess what? I'm sorry. There's no year of Jubilee that's going to be released to you. However, however, even though we cannot do that, when Christ died on the cross, there is for us the ability to live in a time of Jubilee, a time that we have been set free or we have been released from death, hell, and the grave, that we have been released from our own sin. We do not have sorrow like the world has to, to grieve, that, that we, yes, we're going to have troubles, and, and yes, heartaches. However, the book explains that God has overcome this world, so we have nothing to fear, that we are actually victors in Jesus Christ. Jesus's redemptive work on the cross has given us jubilee in our own lives. Can I get an amen this morning? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, actually I'm pretty sure that you've had to deliver a message or two in your life. You know, maybe in elementary it was you went to a boy or girl and you said, hey, so-and-so likes you. You know, maybe you've done that before or maybe you've had to Go between parents, you know, if you're a kid, you've probably done that a few times, trying to get what you want from one and going to the other. Parents, unified front, okay? Unified front, stay strong. Now, I, one of my favorite, favorite stories, and I shouldn't even tell it because it's Jaina's story, but I will anyway. So she has one of the best breakup stories. Like, I wish I would have thought of this as a young kid, but she, she was in class, and there was this boy. I think they were like fifth grade or something. And, you know, it was, it was love, I'm sure. You know, real, real love. And, and all of a sudden, she saw that her boyfriend, or whatever you call it in fifth grade, was passing a message. And, of course, at that time, if you were, a, well, teachers, you probably still happens, I'm sure, and the kids think they're being sneaky and they're trying to get the message to the intended recipient. And it's, you know, dodging and weaving its way through. 
And it finally got to her. She was so excited. She had so much anticipation for this message. And she unfolded it and did all these, got the creases and flattened it out. And what did she find? It was a picture of a person's butt <laughs> on the toilet. And the message was, you've been dumped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy that happened, friends. I am married today because of that message. I know it. <laughs> now, I'm not delivering a negative message like that today, okay? And hopefully we're not receiving messages like that today either. But you know, today when we look at messages, we look at packages that are sent through the likes of Amazon or FedEx or U.S. Postal Service or UPS or whatever it is. And we also, we have email, and we have messenger, and social media things, and Snapchat, and, and especially for those who have lots of people out of the country, WhatsApp is super popular as well. And although we have all these ways of communication, you know, the first way of communication was the feet. It was the feet to, to bring a message, and, and the feet are still definitely a part of sending and, and giving messages today. And that, that's really the majority of human history. That is how things have been done. And uh, we just happen to be alive in a time where things have progressed faster than they've ever progressed before, which is actually very biblical as well. Now, we're going to take a step back into 2 Samuel chapter 18, starting at verse 19, and we're going to see a message in how it would have been sent then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run and carry news to the king that the Lord has delivered him from the, land, from the hand of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You are not to carry the news today. You may carry news another day, but today you shall carry no news because the king's son is dead. Verse 21, Then Joab said to the Cushite, Go tell the king what you have seen. The Cushite bowed before Joab and ran. Now, we're going to pick up here again in, in just a second, but if you can tell what's, what's happening here is that there's just been a battle that was fought. There's good news, and this, this young kid, the son of Zadok, who we know is a, is a priest, Ahimaaz, is like, I want to give this news, and he's young, and he's vibrant, he's energetic, he is ready to go, and Joab says no. Now, why, why would somebody say no? Well, we, we know that sometimes people killed the messenger at that time, right? The one bearing the bad news would sometimes get it. And so they don't send an Israelite. They send a Cushite to go do this because they know that this news could upset the king. So I believe I ended at 22. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again. So he starts bothering Joab about this. For whatever reason, he is just gung-ho about this thing. And he says, come what may. So he knows that there is a potential of a negative um, thing happening here. But let me also run after the Cushite. And, and Joab said, why will you run, my son, seeing that you have no reward for the news? Come what may, he said. I will run. So he said to him, fine. Okay, he didn't say that, but he said run, okay? Then Ahimez ran by way of the plain and outran the Cushite. Now David was sitting between two gates, and the watchman went up on the roof of the gate by the wall, and when he lifted up his eyes and looked, he saw a man 
running alone. So I want you to think, if, if you are in Jerusalem, you are surrounded by mountains, okay? And there are watchmen that this is their job, that they are to watch to make sure that there's no invading armies coming, but they're also watching for messages that are coming through the mountains. The watchman called out and told the king, and the king said, if he is alone, there is news in his mouth. And he drew near and near. The watchman said, another man is running. And the watchman called the gate and said, see another man running alone. The king said, he also brings news. The watchman said, I think the running of the first is running of Ahimez, the son of Zadok. And the king said, he is a good man and comes with good news. Then Ahimez cried out to the king, all is well. And he bowed before the king uh, with his face to the earth and said, blessed be the Lord your God who has delivered him up, the men who raised their hands against my Lord, the king. And the king said, is it well with the young man Absalom? Ahimez answered, when Joab sent the king's servant, your servant, I saw a great commotion, but I do not know what it was. And the king said, turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. And behold, the Cushite came and the Cushite said, good news for my Lord, the king, for the Lord has delivered you this day from the hand of all who rose up against you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your son Jesus. And Lord, I pray that, that you come and that you speak to your people today. I pray that you encourage our hearts, Lord. I pray that you draw us closer to you. And Lord, I pray that you begin to work on hearts today that may be hard in, an, in just desperate need of a word from you. And the church said, amen and amen. These people who delivered messages were commonly called heralds. They came to publish, um, if you have one version of the Bible, or proclaim the message that was given to them. Now, um, we, we have all received messages, right? And we, we talked about that. And, and past news, both good and bad. And we are bearers of messages, whether we, we like to think that we are or not. We all carry a message of something, and I'm hoping that we leave here today with the understanding that we are messengers, that we just have to decide what message that we are communicating and delivering to those around us, okay? We are all communicating something, but the question is, what are we communicating it, and how are we doing it to those that we love and those who are around us? Now, and John loves the word advocate when describing the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and over and over again in the book of John, he writes about it. In this particular verse, in 15, verse 26, when the advocate comes, who will I send to you from the Father? The Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. And the trust that the Lord will guide you. This is what we do. We trust as messengers of God. We trust as our advocate, that he's going to come and he's going to put words in our mouths that need to be proclaimed to people. We, we say, okay, Lord, I, I am just a man. I might mess things up, but we know that as people who follow Christ, we have the Spirit of God in us who is coming alongside of us and he is helping us to be able to speak. And, you know, as messengers, we need to trust that the Holy Spirit is helping us. Even in our times of weakness, even if you think, man, I don't know how to talk about things, but we need to trust that the Lord will use us. Now, today I, I said our, our title, and I put it in the bulletin, it's called Released, but if I had a secondary title and the title that I would prefer, I, I would call it, hey, you have pretty feet. That's right. 
Now, I think about one of the most uncomfortable conversations that could, be, that could happen in this place is if you're sitting by a man and a man looked at you and said, wow, you got beautiful feet. And uh, you'd be like, dude, don't ever say that to me again. Right? It would, it would, be, it would be terrible, right? Now, Isaiah chapter 52, 7, we have this amazing scripture. And I, this scripture, I don't know how, how it's taken me so long for, to talk about it today uh, because it's been in my heart for so long. But how beautiful on the mountains. Remember, Jerusalem surrounded by mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. So you think about it. David is up and they're looking and, and they're hearing from the watchman. News is coming. News is coming. And they're predicting this is going to be good news. And these, what, what's the message? What, what is the message that, that we're getting from this herald? These people who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, and who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. In Isaiah 52, we find Israel as captives of Babylon. Jerusalem had been leveled, but they knew that freedom would be coming. And they were receiving this message from the prophet Isaiah. And this is a message of hope that had not come yet. That God sends this message and it's saying there is going to be a time of hope. There's going to be a time of peace. And there's going to be a time of salvation for you. They were going to be liberated. But not by the hands of man. And not by a cost of money being paid out but only by the sovereignty and the power of their God. And, and the message that, that we see here is that you, or in this case, to Israel, that we're now captive from Babylon, is that you have not been forgotten. This is the message of hope, that you have not been forgotten. He emphasizes this just a couple chapters earlier in, in Isaiah 49. God, God says to Isaiah, he says, does a mother forget about his nursing, her nursing young one? Of course not. But even if she did, your God will never forget about you. And, and he uses that analogy and that illustration to, to be able to say, Israel, I'm coming for you. You have not been forgotten. Proclaiming peace bringing good news of joy and of happiness and proclaiming salvation. In uh, Romans 10, 13, I believe you have that one for me, Eli. <clears throat> for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we say amen to that. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You are a herald. You are a messenger. You are one that proclaims peace that you carry in your being 
Well, maybe I, you've got beautiful feet and you didn't even know it. Shane Claiborne, who spent a summer in the slums of Calcutta with Mother Teresa, wrote the following about one of his experiences there. I'm quoting him here. People often ask me what Mother Teresa was like, and sometimes it's like they wonder if she glowed in the dark or had a halo. She was short, wrinkled, and precious, maybe even a little ornery, like a beautiful, wise old granny. But there is one thing I'll never forget, her feet. Her feet were deformed. Each morning in Mass, I would stare at them. I wondered if she had contracted leprosy, but I wasn't going to ask, of course. Hey, Mother, what's wrong with your feet? <clears throat> One day, a sister said to us, have you ever noticed her feet? We nodded, curious. She said, her feet are deformed because we get just enough donated shoes for everyone, and Mother does not want anyone to get stuck with the worst pair. So she digs through and finds them. And years of doing that have deformed her feet. Years of loving her neighbor as herself deformed her feet. This is the kind of fasting that creates a divine longing for justice, where our feet become deformed by a love that places our neighbors above ourselves. I'm going to end that quote there. Mother Teresa's message was of sacrifice, giving of dedication and love. But how many sermons did she actually give? Her physical feet were terribly deformed and, and mangled, but yet she had beautiful, beautiful feet because she had the message of hope and of life. Over the last two years, I've wanted... The scripture that, that I've read of Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful are the mountains of those who bring good news, on, stenciled over the top of our doors. Unfortunately, it's kind of like a tattoo that once you do it, it's on there for a while. So I was just like, ah, maybe I'll wait. Maybe I'll wait. But the reason why it's so important to me because it is a reminder that every single time that we leave this place, it's a message of what we're proclaiming. That every person that walks out of these doors is reminded, I have a message of peace. I have a message of good news and of happiness. And I have the news of salvation. Every time we leave this church, that should be in our minds. Yes, we have needs. Church, each one of us have needs. Each one of us were, were praying and crying out to God before service today as, as our team was out here and people, whoever wants to pray before church, come and join us. And we're, we're praying and that's something we prayed is, Lord, answer the prayers of your people. Lord, there's people that have prayers here today. Answer them, speak to them. But we also remember that we have a message, that we are heralds and we are bringing this message of peace and of life and of hope to the world. And I just want to remind you that you have people around you that nobody else will. And even with, with social media, I'm really careful about things that I, I post on there because through the years from high school, I think to myself, some of these people, I don't even know, if, if I, am I the only person 
that knows Christ and is friends with them? Am I that only person? And if so, how am I going to communicate that? And, and I think this is, this is heavy. This is something that we have. And we all have something. We all have a message. And the question again is, you're communicating something. What is it? You have a, a message that's, that's being broadcasted every step that you take. And, and what is it? We... Um, when we met on, on Friday, and I, I shared about aroma, and in the, in the Old Testament, when a righteous sacrifice was made, it was a beautiful, beautiful fragrance and aroma onto the Lord. And when Christ came and he suffered and, and took the sins of all mankind, this was the aroma that, that really took the sins of the world for those who placed their trust. In, in Christ, and so what does that make us today? That makes us living sacrifices. That, that makes us a beautiful aroma unto the Lord with a message. We have one of peace, one of happiness, one of good news, and one of salvation. You know, I've seen the sign, I don't know if you have, that sometimes churches will put it in the parking lot and it says when you drive away that you're, you're, you're entering the mission field. And that's essentially what Isaiah 52.7 is saying, that you know what? We, are, we have this message that just as God spoke through Isaiah to tell the people of Israel, you are going to be set free and you're going to be coming back. You have not been forgotten and we live in a time and in this world where people be, are beginning to believe that there is no purpose, that they are here by chance, that, that there is, and, and they're trying to figure out what could possibly have started it, and they're trying to, to work through this, this idea of, of a, a godless world and that everything is, is by accident. And friends, there's no hope in that message. Because one day you're going to be gone and that's it. There's no morality. All it is is just man-made-up ideas of a, ways, a way to behave. And then when you die, you're just gone. And God has is, is made us messengers. And to be able to say, you have not been forgotten. You are not a, alone. You are loved more than a, a mother loves her own child. He wants to love you and take care of you. And each one of this, as we walk out of here every single Sunday, every time that we're here, every time you leave your home, and sometimes your ministry is in your home, that you have this message and you get to proclaim it. And if you're, if you're in this place, you're like, man, I'm, I'm kind of a rough character and I don't proclaim anything that's, that's good. Well, I want to say to you that you are God's favorite. Man, and, and oh man, I, over and over again, and for some of you, maybe you've got family members or coworkers, and, and this is from my own experience, and so I, I, I can't call it, you know, a for sure truth, but what I have found over and over again are the people that are the angriest and the hardest are the ones that are closest to Christ. They are the ones that, that God is working on them, and they're so angry, and, and they're just trying to fight it but they know better. 
And God is so close. The ones that I worry more about are the lukewarm ones that are just fine the way they are. And we know this in Revelation. We know this, what, what Jesus says about the lukewarm. I'm going to spew you out. And I'm telling you, the ones that are the angriest are the ones that are the closest to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you right now, do not give up with that message of hope and of peace and of salvation because it can come. It can come in, in a moment. And for those of you who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm bitter, I'm angry, I, I don't have this message, ask the Lord for it. Ask the Lord to be able to carry the aroma of Christ along with you where there can be hope and peace and joy when you enter a space. Now here's what is amazing about this. Isaiah 52, as we just talked about, we, we have this proclamation of something that's not there yet. That's why it's a prophecy. And Isaiah is speaking for the Lord and, and saying how beautiful it is for the salvation that God is going to bring to you people. It's coming. It's coming. And it leads into one of the most profound scriptures that we have in the entirety of our text. leads into Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And who has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised. He was rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And we are like sheep who have gone astray, who have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sin of us all. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The proclamation of Israel being saved was happening. It was in the works. It was happening. But then for us today, this word goes so far beyond their time. It goes up to the time of Jesus being proclaimed that he is the Messiah and he is bringing us this peace. He is bringing us this message of good news and he is bringing us salvation. Friends, this is something to rejoice in. This is something that we have to rejoice about, that he has not forgotten. And that's why this text isn't only for this situation at this point of time. Some of the scripture we read, we understand and keep it in context. It was for those people in that moment at that time. This message was for them. And it comes right into Isaiah 53 for us now today. You have not been forgotten. God knows your name. God loves you. And he is here for you. Will you come to him? Will you come to him? Would you please stand? Oh, man, we have been released 
to bring this news. We have been released to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have this message, will you carry it? And you have not been forgotten. I'm excited, are you? I, I feel like I'm preaching to myself this morning. Maybe that's what I need to do, I don't know. Oh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh. Lord, I, I pray that we can be a church that each person believes they have a message. That we can be a church that we don't believe that, oh, it's just the, a pastor or some kind of a staff member, that those are the people that have the message of hope, Lord Jesus. But each one of us carry the word of Jesus Christ. Each one of us, each one of us gets to people know they have not been forgotten. Each one of us gets to let people know that there is peace in Jesus Christ. Each one of us gets to the good news and the news of salvation. Hallelujah. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.